Welcome to Acute Conversations, the official podcast of APTA Acute Care, where we share engaging conversations about acute care physical therapy so you can connect to your profession. I'm Ashley. And I'm Leo. Today we chat with Edward Mathis. Edward has recently retired from acute care PT after nearly 20 years and is transitioning to a new phase of his life. Today we discuss service for our profession, self-care, and how eagle flies can be a traumatic experience. Let's welcome our guest. All right, today's special guest we have on our Acute Conversations podcast, we welcome Edward Mathis. Edward, thanks for joining us today. Just some background information. Edward is recently retired from acute care clinical practice. He was working at Marshfield Medical Center Dickinson, and he's becoming the executive director of APTA Michigan and APTA Academy of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary PT. Edward, you are retiring from clinical practice, and as I understand it, it's your last day as the president of APTA Michigan. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And I use the, the retired with air quotes because, yeah. <laughs> because while I'm going to be pseudo retiring from clinical care and who knows what the future will bring me. I'm still going to keep working. I know I've had people that come up and ask me and they're like, what do you mean you retired? I'm like, yeah, I'm retiring from this. And I, if you follow anything from like Arthur Brooks, I'm kind of feel like I'm moving into kind of the, the next stage of my life and taking on this new opportunity to move into an administrative role for both APTA Michigan and APT Academy of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Physical Therapy. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. I have to say that one frequently. I'm always like, can I just say CVP? Like, it's so long. So I'm really curious because I feel like there's probably a lot of people listening that like, wow, you're retiring from clinical practice, right? And you feel like that's what we go to school for is like to see patients. And me personally, like I decided to leave clinical practice sort of, kind of, and go into education, but like, I still feel a little tied. Like, so I like, I'll go see patients once a month or something like that, just cause I'm like, I feel like I need to keep it up. So I'm really curious cause I, I've had a hard time just cutting the ties, the clinical practice. I'm curious, like, how did you make the decision to like jump ship from clinical practice to go take on this like brand new role? It, it was, it's been an interesting thing. I have been and thinking about finding something just new over the last year or so and maybe looking to trying to see if I can find something outside of clinical practice just to, to get a change. I had been in my position for 18 years and just felt like, okay, I need to kind of try something new. In some ways, the work that I was doing, I was just maybe getting a little bored with a little bit mm. like like Stuck I just a need a new a new challenge and when that happens you kind of get maybe a little complacent and and when you're complacent you're probably not really shooting for the excellence that is within our core values so as I looked and Academia really wasn't an option because I'm tied to my community for other reasons. Mm -hmm. And then looking at making a deal with the devil and going, doing like insurance review or Blue Cross or Humana, that was, <laughs> that was just not going to be a thing, especially that with my, your boat. 
<laughs> with my deep-seated hatred for Medicare replacement plans. So this just kind of a, was a conversation that started this summer, and there was a need within our chapter. And as we started kind of having the conversation exploring, I thought, well, I have served for 15 years on the chapter. I know that side pretty well. I also have experience working on the academy side, not very much with with EPTCDP, but I know kind of the people, I know a lot of the, the behind the scenes work that helps kind of make a chapter go. And you can start seeing even like where you might do things a little bit differently. Nothing against previous executive directors, but being able to bring that perspective of a clinician in and still support the great advocacy work, the professional development that goes on, the member engagement that is so vital to the components within our profession that we know that the chapters, these sections, they're doing great things. I think it is often, oftentimes underappreciated work. And I just felt like this could be a spot for me to kind of fill in and kind of roll into that, that next stage of my life and feel like I could do a good job with this. There's certainly going to be some things to learn of kind of the behind the scenes thing, but being a chapter and a section treasurer, I'm not afraid of spreadsheets and, yes. <laughs> and the technical stuff involved where I came into things initially was on the member engagement, the member value stuff, and then some of the communication methods to get that across. So I think I can kind of use some of those there, some of those technical skills and, and hopefully provide some good value to supporting both our, our volunteer leaders as well as our members in both the chapter and the academy. You know, what, what's cool, Edward, is that this point right now is we're at the, the tail end of your clinical career, and now we're moving towards a different, like different challenges, but you've worn multiple hats, right? You've been treasurer for APT Acute Care, all the different work that you do behind the scenes, being executive producer, co-producer of this podcast. We're many different hats. What's cool, though, is that I kind of want to know your origin story. Like how would somebody that's a new grad, I think they would like to hear, how did you get from like your beginnings all the way to this level now where you, you have your hands in, in, in many different pots and helping out and working on advocacy? How did that happen? And, and keep in mind, this is only a 30 minute podcast, Edward. So that, uh, from origin well, till now, that's a long story. You got to abbreviate it for us. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an abbreviated version. I think about our profession it's not so much the things that we do, but it's more who we are. And I think it comes down to our foundations, our core values. And I think for me, my core values were set pretty early in life. I was an altar server growing up and my time in the Boy Scouts of America definitely cemented that, that service. I can totally see you as a Boy Scout. So I was mm -hmm. an Eagle Scout class of 1990 and really from an early service was an expectation. And I went to grad school and I had Stanley Paris and Stanley Paris was very focused on you have to be involved in your profession just outside of the clinic. 
that, mm-hmm. that professionalism. And that was really important and had a really awesome CI, Rob Worth, who kind of pushed me to get involved at the district level to look at maybe even just taking a small role, being involved in the nominating committee. And through a series of moves and trying to kind of find my, my place in finding the right job for me, it took me a little while. I didn't get involved in leadership until nine years into my career. And it was really just that tap on the shoulder that much like it feels like my current position, there was a need in the UP, the upper peninsula for, for a new leadership. And I felt compelled to serve. And then I think It's just been kind of a series of opportunities that have developed from there that led me into chapter leadership. And then on the academy side, it was was a conversation with Jim Smith. And I remember being at a next conference and I had been an acute care member. I went to my first CSM and like in 2009, I met Alyssa Curry learned about the total joint SIG. I asked Jim Smith, how can I get involved a little bit more? It'd be nice to learn, be a a contributing member of the academy. And he kind of directed me towards membership in the finance committee. And I had been, I'm still a member of the finance committee, but I think it's just like opportunities where there's a chance to serve here. There's a need to provide some service. And and like anything, there's, I think there's things you find that I'm, okay, my skill sets really serve me well here. And there may be been other positions where it's like, ah, oh, that was tougher, you know? Speaking about skill set, how have your dad jokes served you as a skill set? The two of you and your dad jokes, man. I got to get some mom jokes in here. Yeah. Thanks. There we go. It's, it's, <laughs> kind of a, it's kind of a funny story because this is back in when the opioid epidemic was kind of picking up. We actually had Adrian Lowe, we brought him up to hope. He's a big pain neuroscience researcher. He's in Iowa, I think, but he's originally from South Africa. And one of the things that he recommended when talking about pain and was to use humor. He said you should have some like joke books out. And so what kind of led from there, I was like, at work, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start joke of the day. So every day I would be looking at multiple sources. There's a really good dad joke one on Twitter that is kind of a go-to for me. Edward, what's your joke of today? What's the joke of the day today? uh, My my wife and I, we often laugh about how competitive we are, but I laugh louder. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I started using that. I started actually using it more with our staff more than really our patients. And I think actually it was like one thing that I used to build rapport with nurses, with everybody that I worked with in the hospital. And, and you'd have like, I had a couple people that always give me a really good eye roll, but everybody would kind of come to inspect it. In fact, when I was sitting there on the, on like my last couple days there, one of the nurses asked like, well, is the new guys, is he going to tell joke of the day? And I was like, so I, so I texted him right there and I said, Tim, I just want to let you know that the nurses here are expecting for you to continue joke of the day. It will be part of your job description, at least unofficially. I love it. So I'm curious, Edward, we were talking a little bit before we started recording and I know you're 
pretty passionate about like self-care and things like that. So this decision for you, was it, was it a self-care decision to leave clinical practice? Was it part of your like five, 10 year plan? Or were you a little bit burnout? Like, I, I know these are all things that you, you have a, something to say about. So I'm just curious, what, what was that for you? Or how do those play into just your day-to-day life? So I, I think between, between the work that I was doing and the association work, as well as my clergy duties, plate was pretty full. You I really do really, do it all. My cup was flowing over and, and I just kind of like, I, I didn't always feel like I was, you know, getting out and getting as much of like the walking, the exercising and and there'd be some days where I would, I'd get up at six and I'd be kind of going pretty strong till night at night. And the self-care piece is, is so important for clinicians and it's, it's underrated. It makes me sad when I hear clinicians talk about only getting, you know, four or five hours of sleep a night or not having that time to exercise. You look at the, the CDC recommends 150 minutes of moderate aerobic activity a week. Really for PTs, we should just automatically be double it at that. But when you are just working such a long schedule, it's tough to kind of fit that in. Are we kind of fitting it in sometimes during the day? We're lifting people or walking the floors. I don't know. I like to justify it that way a little bit. (laughs) But you're not always getting that. You're not always getting that continuous 10 to 20 benefit that where you're starting to really see the benefit of that that exercise. So. I mean, I think that factors in. So I'm excited about this because it is going to have a little bit more flexibility than my current job that Mm -hmm. I could, I could work for a few hours and, and have a guilt-free run or bike ride Mm -hmm. and and not being like, oh, this is going to push back patient care or anything like that. I'm looking for that to kind of give me a little bit more space for some of those areas that really are important to, to keeping us, keeping us healthy. And, and I think it's, it's an area that a lot of clinicians really need to look at. And like you said, there are things that we can do throughout our day, small things that I think we, we take for granted. One of them is this topic of stillness. And, you know, mm-hmm. I tend to like, uh, I tend to like the verbiage of stillness better than mindfulness or meditation, because I think stillness is a little bit more all encompassing and, and really, I think even a little bit more inclusive. There's some people that might look at meditation and be like, have a little narrow viewpoint or maybe having some, maybe some negative connotations with it even versus stillness really kind of the, encompasses a lot of different areas that I think we can kind of address. And, and even starting with just like five minutes. So I recently did a lecture with Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids with my, my friend and podcast host, Andy Wicks. And we talked a little bit about membership and how I feel that's important, but he teaches a neuro class. And I thought, well, you know, we can mix some neural self-care in. And we talked a little bit about sympathetic overdrive and, and obviously most of these students, they understand the sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. But when we're constantly in this 
this overdrive with their sympathetic nervous system, we're never really getting a chance for the parasympathetic to play its role and balance this out. So I actually went through and I, I had the students do five minutes of four, seven, eight breathing during the class. And I had them rate their stress and, the, and their, their muscle tension before and afterwards. Mm-hmm. And even just like doing a five minute activity like that, whether you're breathing or even just, just something crazy of like, just, just close your eyes, turn everything off and have no inputs for five to 10 minutes mm-hmm. and just be able to kind of find some peace because I think it's not only just important for ourselves to be able to find a little bit of that peace and wherever the mind kind of goes. But it's also really important with our patient interview because if you can't, if you can't still your mind while you're asking the patient all their subjective information, if you can't make that connection, you're not going to have real good rapport with that patient. Mm-hmm. So if you can't find that, that stillness in yourself, you're going to be with that patient. You're going to be thinking about what's the next question I'm going to have or what I'm going to have for lunch or what am I doing tonight and really gloss over that opportunity to establish a good rapport with the patient and really make a good connection that is such a vital part going back to our foundations of what we are as physical therapists and physical therapist assistants and students as well. That's that's such a good point, Edward. It's like we can't help you having stilled ourselves or prepared ourselves and if we if our brains are going all over the place and then we're trying to help somebody that trying to help them with their healing it's not actually going to be very conducive to that situation right so i think that's a great point to kind of consider that just taking a couple minutes right before you go into the next session with the next patient just especially if it was a bad previous session just to kind of all right time out reset take a absolutely get a reset where you can just like okay Let's focus on the next one because we know in acute care, sometimes oddball, strange things happen. Would this be the point I can share my, the one strange thing that I shared with you guys? I remember remember one time I was, this is, this is probably. We love strange stories. It's about years ago. I still remember the room. It was room 254 (laughs) and a patient that had a total hip replacement. So I go in the room and what would I usually start with is I would interview them and I would go through my exercises. They take them through some ankle pumps and some glute sets and some quad sets and that kind of thing. And then we got to the heel slides and it kind of felt like, do you remember the, the Tootsie, the Tootsie Pop commercial where, you know, how many licks is <laughs> how it many take to the, how oh, many yeah. licks? Oh, well, yep. It was one, like, it was two, like heel slide three. one, two. Three and I heard this just terrible crunching sound. Oh God! And, oh God! And I was like, "Oh, that's not normal." You know, this is why I don't do orthopedics. I can't stand those sounds. Because you know, there's sometimes where you're trying to convince the patient that, "Oh, this is this is normal. These things happen." This was not normal. No. This was a perioperative fracture that the orthopedic surgeon mm. said. I completed. No, that's not what you want to hear as a PT. By the way, you just basically finished that fracture off. Thank you for that. And that's exactly what I did. It was, but 
in, in all honesty, it was better that I was doing it during the heel slides versus <laughs> having them stand up and though that would not have been good. But, but okay, that's, that one takes like, the cake as like traumatic, funny what? stories that we've heard so far. I don't know if that's funny or funny, haha, or funny, like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I can laugh about it right now, but I can tell you, I was not laughing then. No, I was, I was scared to death to talk to the orthopedic surgeon and, and let him know, like, I think you need to do an x-ray. Mm-hmm. There was a loud crunch, and the patient is having a lot of pain. And, you know, that's what, you know. So go, going back to that, I think if you have something, you know, kind of crazy like that happen, you might need to take five minutes and go, okay, let, let's, let's get past this one and go on to my next case there. Attention Acute Care members. The Bridge the Gap Conference is coming to Chicago, Illinois, May 3rd to 5th, 2024. The theme is Translating Evidence into Acute Care Practice. The conference will be focused on bringing the science and evidence for physical therapy into acute care practice. The conference will be featured in stunning downtown Chicago at the Department of Physical Therapy and Human Movement Sciences, Feinberg School of Medicine, Northwestern University. Once again, May 3rd to 5th, 2024. The location is near the scenic shore of Lake Michigan and entertainment on the Magnificent Mile. If you are interested in submitting a poster for presentation or being a guest speaker, please contact our co-host, Leo Argulis, at the email listed in the show notes. And now, back to the show. Yeah, the concept of stillness, that's fairly new to me. Like, I've heard mindfulness. I've heard of, you know, just peace, meditation. Like, I've heard of so many things, but I've never heard of just stillness explained like, like you explained it. But I can think of, like, when I got into academia, like, a few... Well, it's now more than a few years ago, but those first year or two, like I was feeling pretty burnt out. Like it was a lot because it was just a hard transition. But I remember I was, I was like, okay, I have lost the joy in life. Like I need to like find joy every year. I'll try to think of a word that's my word for the year. And that year I was like, my word's joy this year. I need to find the fun in things again. And I remember reading this book and a lot of people have FOMO, right? Which is like fear Mm -hmm. of missing out. And I was reading this book and they called it JOMO, like the the joy of missing out. And the basic, the concept is, is like, you want to miss out on some of those things, because if you miss out on some of those things in life, you're actually embracing other things in your life that you wouldn't get to do otherwise. Like, like some of that self-care, like some of that stillness Mm -hmm. that you need to rejuvenate yourself and keep going. But if you're always like, well, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on that. Then you're not really able to kind of embrace some of those other pieces of your life. So I feel like stillness can kind of fit into that, like joy of missing out on something. Like you don't need to do everything because sometimes you just need that, that time. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different avenues for it. And that's what I, I really like about it. I'm going to have this in the show links. This is uh, one of my favorite books that explains this. Stillness is a key by Ryan Holiday. Shameless commercial. I don't think we're getting any proceeds from that. But, I was going to say, where's our like, you know, you know coming back for this? He, he talks about like stillness of body, mind, and spirit. And I think when we think of body, we're like, whoa, that's, you know, we don't think of stillness with like movement. But 
for instance, there's, there's really good research that came out of the University of Michigan that said, if you can just go outside 20 minutes a day for a walk, three days a week, that there's a lot of different mental health benefits from that. Just disconnected and be out there. So it's like you're moving, but you're still. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite stories in this book is on Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. So Winston Churchill had two hobbies, neither of which he was very good at. One that he was a prolific painter. You will never find any of his paintings on in a gallery. And the other thing is that he he used bricklaying as a hobby. Oh. And mm, actually using that as like like a form of stillness of when he needed to kind of do some problem solving, he would just kind of go out there. And it's kind of similar to like when you're stressed out, you got to go do something hard and blow off some steam and that kind of thing. And I think it's that uh-huh. that same thing where you're doing something methodical and it would still have to, the Masons would have to come and correct after him. But I used, I used to, when I got really stressed out, I would clean frantically, like I would clean the house. But now my stillness is, this sounds crazy, but like after dinner, there'll be a bunch of dishes, right? And my husband's like, well, let me help you with dishes. I'm like, no, don't touch the dishes. I got the dishes. But it's because when I do dishes, I can just sit there and like methodically like yes. wash dishes. And, and my kids, if they like whatever's going on, I'm like, sorry, mommy's washing dishes right now. Can't yeah. do that. And that's my time to just like decompress yeah. my methodical dishwashing and nobody bother me. <laughs> and you, and you kind of need that. You need yeah. to find some type of outlet. Look, I've done, I've done painting myself. I highly recommend adult coloring. So I've got mm-hmm. like a, a set of, of colored pencils and I've got some nice Star Wars mandala that I'll draw on. And, but sometimes you need that little bit to just like break you out of that routine, break you out of that path that you're on to redirect to something a little bit different so that you can still things a little bit. And I mean, your mind's always going to wander when you're doing things like that. So it's not so much about learning how to just shut all the thoughts off. That never happens. Right. But it's learning how to just find some calm, find some peace, maybe start kicking in your parasympathetic nervous system for a change. Well, it's not, it's not about turning the thoughts off. It's about processing the thoughts that mm-hmm. you do have. Like I yeah. think about when I'm in the shower or washing dishes, like sometimes I'm like, oh, like something will hit me that would not have hit me otherwise, you know? Yeah. And there's proof that it, it sparks creativity. Yes. It helps you with those type of things. Another podcast I listened to, The Happiness Lab with Lori Santos, she had a hot sauce person on. And she said, well, why do you do these hot sauce challenges? She says, well, when my face is on fire, I can't think about whether I left a coffee maker on. So it like, that's one strategy to each his own. I don't mind a little hot sauce, but that's maybe feels a little bit extreme, but (laughs) there's so many different ways that, that you can find that that peace. But now on the, on the flip side of things, we have stillness. One of the side of things you also talk about and, and some of the things that you had mentioned was also seeking discomfort and discomfort crisis that sometimes we can kind of... Bump. Yes. That was one of the books that you had um, mentioned. So, yeah. I, I read this really good book, The Discomfort Crisis by Michael Easter. As I started, as you start reflecting on like self-care, 
it's it is a little bit more than just like Netflix and chill or going and getting a massage. Sometimes we, when we're feeling like burnt or languishing, we have to do some things to test our resilience and yeah. build our resilience up. Mm-hmm. You know, these are where things like the the cold cold shower challenges come into play, uh, the hot mm-hmm. sauce challenges, different things like that, and even like just doing things that are hard. I, I've done a number of sprint triathlons, and and I am a terribly slow runner. I did one in Wausau this summer, and I was talking to my wife, and I said, well, I think the run is really going to suck. I didn't really feel like <laughs> I had done enough training for the run. And she says, well, why do you do it? Because it's going to suck. <laughs> so because it, it does like build you up that when you have to run three miles, five miles, something like that, once you get going out there in the course, it's you in the road yeah and there's no one that's going to bail you out mm-hmm. and you have to kind of work your way through it and there's there's some value in doing something that's really hard and, and coming out on the other end even if you fail mm-hmm. so in the book uh, michael easter brings up this concept of misogi where it's like a really hard thing that you've got maybe a 50-50 chance of completing. And then he has a second rule, which my wife feels is pretty important, which is don't die. <laughs> that's important. <laughs> you know, that's a good rule. I really don't want to speak that you know, <laughs> But the whole premise is that, now this is probably a little bit to the extreme, but he did a 33-day like uh, caribou hunt in the Alaskan outback. And and you start reading, you're like, well, okay, I'm not going to be able to do this. But he brings in a lot of concepts that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, like like being comfortable with silence, boredom, hunger, maybe redefining even what hunger is, and finding some ways. And then when he got through this, like his wife could see like there was a noticeable difference mm-hmm. in and how he was kind of approaching life, that it was kind of like, like a reset for him. And I, I think, thankfully, there are, there are many misogies that we can do that maybe don't require us to go to Alaska for 33 days, mm-hmm. but still like challenge us. And I think that's why I, I do the long distance biking and triathlons and things like that, because it really does force me to be like, okay, I got to get this done, especially an event. Maybe maybe you're all doing a, a run or something. Ooh, you could decide, well, okay, you know, I, I'm done. I don't really want to, I don't want to go anymore. But when you're doing an event like that, there's not really, there's nobody going to be there to bail you out. You know, Edward, just listening to your story just makes me think about all these different things that you've, you've taken the chance to be a little bit uncomfortable and go through discomfort, right? To to change, you know, a job setting or to be the treasure of APTAQ care or to take on putting this podcast together. There's a little bit of like fear and trepidation about like, how are we going to, like, how do we even begin? But part mm-hmm. of it really is, bringing this back to you, Ashley, it's like, here's some new uncharted territory and let's see what we can do. Let's give it our best and see what happens afterwards and, and not let that control us, right? And I think what happens is that once you get started, once you start moving, it's like, oh, we're learning some things. It wasn't, you know, it, it could have been different. It went different than I expected, but 
that's part of the fun, where it's not the destination, mm-hmm. the journey that's that's part of the joy of that. And how we grow too. Absolutely. Because yeah. uh, even with my new venture starting tomorrow, I don't know exactly how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I have some ideas in my head of how it's going to go, but there's there's some things in life that you're not going to really fully understand until you experience them. Mm-hmm. I, and sometimes you just, you have a challenge and you have to take on a new challenge and see where it goes. You know, 15 years ago, if you would have told me this is where it added, I told you you're crazy. There's no way I'm going to be doing all these different things. I'm not, I'm not qualified to, to help run these different organizations. And the experience has got me along the way. The opportunities have led me to where I'm at and, and who knows what's in my future. I know that something that's in your future and it's called rapid response. <laughs> rapid response. Yeah. Yeah. It's about that time. Are you ready for this? Since, you know, for those of you listening that do not know, Edward is also the executive producer of our podcast. So this is kind of fun that we get to now do this with him. So are, so are you going to let me turn the tables or not? Uh, oh, 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 no. <laughs> no way. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you to turn the table. <laughs> you need to have the opportunity to be a little bit Go through some discomfort. So I'd say that maybe we can let Edward ask a couple and we'll find things. All right, fine, fine. All right, are you ready? I am ready. All right, and go. All right, Edward, what is your most favorite scrub color? I like multicolor. I'm going to go with the rainbow. I may wear three to four colors at one time. It's going to be hard for you. Of all the books you've read, what is the one book you would most recommend? Ooh, all the ones. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend Stillness is the Key for our audience because I think, I think it will be some benefit. All right. Edward, what's your uh, most favorite way to exercise? Cycling. Cycling. Nice. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I am definitely a morning person. Edward, if you were going to walk into a patient's room and there would be a theme song when you would walk into a patient's room, what song would that be? I think it would be the opening theme for Star Wars, A New Hope. (laughs) Awesome. Tell me your favorite outcome measure to use in acute care. (laughs) Oh, I like the D. Morton Mobility Index, the Demi, Mm -hmm. which I found about from attending a CSM session. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. If you had a lightsaber, what color would it be, Edward? I got to go purple. That Mace Windu lightsaber is that's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Favorite cartoon character? Ooh. You know, I, I always liked He-Man growing up. Oh my gosh, I remember He-Man. <laughs> Favorite dessert? Oh, there's so many, you know. I have to go... I mean, I really like ice cream. Custard. Oh. That's, her, that's my final Ooh. answer. Custard. There we go. All right. And that was your final question. So now you have to answer the, you know, you work in acute care when, fill in the blank. You value your relationship with the CNAs and the environmental service employees. Amen. I like that one. That's a good one. Because it's all about 
to me, in acute care, it's all about relationships. That's true. Life. I mean, life is all about relationships, yes. really. I mean, yes. it's bridges for but sure. want to be real. You survived. You survived rapid response. Do you have some rapid responses? Okay, so no, we got to go. We got to wear time. We're at time. We Edward is the, is the, you know, it's like a Wizard of Oz. He's the one behind I don't like I don't like surprises if you haven't learned. Okay. Like, <laughs> All right. So we're, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shit a few of you here. And some mm. of them, uh, some of them have a little bit of theme. So it's breathing joy. <laughs> okay. Does it now? I'm feeling <laughs> uncomfortable. That's <laughs> space, right? <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm learning, Edward. This scares me a little bit. All right. Ashley, if you could win uh -oh. one award, would it be the Nobel Prize, the Oscar, an Olympic gold medal, or the Mary McMillan Lecture? Well, that is a really hard one. But you know what? I was a former actor, and I always thought it would be really cool to win an Oscar. So I'm going to go with that, although that makes me sound really superficial. I think it would be really, really cool. Awesome. Leo, who's a better dancer, Ashley or Leo? Ashley. <laughs> okay, can we prove it? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I am. So by default, Ashley. We're doing a dance off. That's CSM. Ashley, should we ban polo shirts? This is a nod to Andy. Absolutely. Win. For females, especially. I hate a polo shirt. I hate polo shirt. I can't stand them. A men, great. Me, me no, I hate it. Okay. Leo, it's Die Hard a Christmas movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> you said it's Die Hard, and I just said yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever, whatever it is, yes. Okay, Ashley, <laughs> pumpkin spice, yes or no? Oh, it depends what you're putting it in. In my coffee, no. In a muffin, yes. All right. Leo, what's your, what's your best Thanksgiving side? Oh, best Thanksgiving side, like for me to eat or for me to make? <laughs> I'd say uh, green bean casserole with extra fried onions on top. Oh, oh. oh. not my choice. <laughs> that is a popular All right. And then I have one more question. So in the past year, who is one person that has come into your life that has positively changed you? Ashley. Can you go me first? Oh. <laughs> okay. The leader's answer can influence mine. You know, I honestly have not had a lot of new people come into my life in the last year. But you know what? I was going to, I've torn on this one. So number one, I think my students, I get new students every year and they really do positively change me because they're all different and they all challenge me in different ways. And I feel like every single year they make me better. Um, make me think of different things I've never thought of before. But it was, I would also have to say my podcast crew because yeah. I feel like I've gotten to know you all really, really well. And you're probably the newest people in my life that I see and talk to and text quite regularly on a regular basis. And it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah. Real. I'd say Jimmy McKay. Thank you. Shout out to Jimmy McKay for oh, helping. Yeah. Shout out to Jimmy. Yeah. Here. And here we are. How many episodes in we are? For, oh, I can uh, tell you. This, this is, is going to be number number 21, actually. Really? I have nice seen on here. Yeah, this is going to be oh. number 21. Wow, so Edward. I see Edward knows better than we do. 
And when I was asked this question, I came up with my podcast host. Yeah. And, oh, and, no. and, and my executive producer, Katie Brito, because it's been yes. so fun getting to know the team this year and have just really kind of enjoyed this process. It was a little, a little scary getting this kind of launch last year, trying to figure, figure out who these people are and mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about. Are we going to, are we going to have an episode every couple of weeks? Who's going to want to come onto our show? And it's well, been, I will it's say really there's good. definitely, there's definitely times where I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of work. Like, to, like it yeah. takes time, like out of our lives. Right. And like, this is volunteer. We're not getting paid for this. Mm-hmm. But as soon as like, no matter how busy it is and no matter sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so much work. As soon as I get on here and start talking, like I had so much fun and I love it. So, so I want to thank you, Edward and Leo and Katie for just mm-hmm. making this all happen because I feel like it it doesn't it takes all of us to make it happen because you all are working when we're not recording and when we're recording like it's just I'm I'm blown away by how consistent everyone has been with this. It's been a great experience. And and thank you to our guests. We've had some excellent guests people mm-hmm. that we uh, and most importantly to our listeners in all 50 states, we have confirmed all 50, all 50 states. So thank you all for listening to us on a regular basis. We're just getting all sentimental now. So <laughs> Thanksgiving theme. Thanks to everyone. Thank you all. Yep. Edward, any final thoughts and, and maybe how people can reach out to you if they've got questions for you? So I am pretty much just on Twitter, although I've been kind of trying to take a little bit more of a a social media diet. I took <laughs> I took Facebook off my phone and I had to upgrade. I had to update my LinkedIn account, but I really don't do much on there. Self care. Using, using the podcast email is probably the best way to get a hold of yeah. me. And sign up to be a guest on our show in 2024. That's right. Yes. Cheers. Thank you, Edward. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, fun being on the show. We would like to thank all of our guests for joining us this year. Acute Conversations is the official podcast of APTA Acute Care. It is hosted by Leo Orgulis and Ashley Poole. Executive produced by Katie Brito and Edward Mathis. Music by Alexia Action from Pixabay. Sound effects also from Pixabay. For more information about APTA Acute Care, be sure to check out our show notes for links and resources from the Academy. If you found value from our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, follow, and share with your friends and colleagues. Join us again in 2024 for Season 2 of Acute Conversations. Thank you for listening, and may your shoes and scrubs stay clean today. How many heel slides it takes to complete a fracture? That's it. That's it. Okay. That'd be perfect. I fear, though, that, like, students or just clinicians, like, I'm never doing anything else. Did you hear the podcast? The person's hip got broken because the heels. <laughs> <laughs>